So I'll give a little background over uh, why I'm talking about this today. It's not, My topic's not going to be so much about this particular instance, because this particular instance isn't actually the most interesting thing. Last week, I believe, I'm not 100% clear on the timeline, Comedy Central didn't air one of uh, the Office's episodes in their whole rerun rerun sequence. So they were starting from the first episode and moving forward, and they skipped one episode. It's the second episode, which is actually apparently for the Office fans is considered the first episode because it's the first episode that doesn't copy the British version of the uh, the show and thus takes on its own personality. And uh, this episode's called Diversity Day. Now, I, I don't think I've seen this episode. Uh, I definitely, I, I don't definitely have not seen this episode. I've watched maybe fifteen episodes of The Office or something like that. I gotta say, it is a uh, quality stuff in my opinion. Um, and I have, I, I'm. It's very hard for me to enjoy comedy terribly much. Um, and uh, this is kind of my kind of humor, um, I think. But I can imagine what this episode uh, uh, contains, and I can imagine why it might be offensive to some people, especially ported to a 2021 general uh, general atmosphere, right? So Comedy Central skips this episode in the lineup. Now, the reality is, is I could not find anywhere where I could verify the reason for uh, them... Uh, not airing this episode. So I can't, what I say is completely conjecture on this point Um, that they skipped it because they didn't like it. It's completely conjecture. Although you'll, you'll, you'll see a whole bunch of articles that'll say, Oh, they, they they took it down because like, you know, of uh, you know, it's, it's insensitive or whatever. We don't actually know that. It's also not the biggest deal either because it's comedy central TV platform, not their streaming, not any streaming platform. And I mean, that's not the most, uh, consequential uh <laughs> i mean tv's kind of a, a, a ever dying uh a medium so uh it's not really the most consequential thing in reality i just want to talk use this opportunity to use this headline to advocate for something uh sort of else so maybe this is clickbait who knows um, <laughs> um but yeah so here's 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 what happened they, they took down the episode I think the immediate concern is that this is not the end for comedy. And people keep uh, pulling up this Ricky Gervais quote about uh, how uh, Ricky Gervais being uh, the Michael Scott in the the British version of the show, uh, this Ricky Gervais quote, basically saying that the end of comedy is basically here, that people are so sensitive that comedy is going to die and that his show is going to die, you know, give it five years and, and uh, the British version of The Office will be gone too, even though British people actually have a higher tolerance for comedy. Um, if you watch British comedy, you'll know that. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's the interesting discussion, the culturally dis- relevant discussion happening around That's a pretty bold statement that comedy will die. Yeah, it is a pretty bold statement. But the way things are going, I mean... <laughs> I mean, the things you're allowed—the the fact that you are allowed or not allowed to say a joke about like things that are of little consequence in the grand scheme of things—is kind of bizarre. Um, and we're kind of okay. entering that. Uh, okay. Yeah, huh? it's kind of weird. But there are comedians who say like, you know, more. I mean, you know, in air quotes, offensive things, right? Like, like Dave Chappelle, for example, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's pretty hilarious, right? <laughs> and people yeah. still like, you still like, you know considered you know you know possibly the greatest comedian alive right mm-hmm. 
people still well he recently came back to comedy people mm-hmm. still listen to him i mean it's like it was a weird well, exceptions for people you know what i'm saying but if some well, random here's, dude here's said the, that i was gonna say here's the crazy thing though is dave chappelle starting to feel it too um there's actually a great um yeah he said that okay he said one of his jokes was like um i can't remember but he was essentially just saying he was scared of the crowd that was the, that was the moral of the, the joke <laughs> right yeah yeah uh, and dave Chappelle is also kind of my my type of humor i love dave Chappelle. um yeah, there's a great video episode about Dave Chappelle, a video essay about Dave Chappelle called How Dave Chappelle Dodges Laser Beams, which I think gets about... I watched that. Whoa. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it gets about like 70% of it right, I think. I think it misses like some part of it uh, that is just kind of making an exception, carving out a random exception for uh, Dave Chappelle because people like him, you know? Uh, and the media, the the minute people forget why they like him is the minute that all of a sudden he becomes a target um, <laughs> for people's criticism on what he should and should not say, um, which is kind of absurd if you like comedy. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that is kind of besides my point. The point I'm trying to make here is that there is a threat here that has existed since the time streaming has has come around for both music and uh, and film and and tv there's this interesting problem of the fact that things can be changed right and things can be changed by a variety of sources so in this case we have a tv network deciding not to air an episode and i presume that there's nothing in their contract that says you must air these episodes sequentially and not skip an episode or anything like that the same thing is true for streaming by and large there's a lot of latitude given to the platforms but not only the platform is a voice or a uh, you know a decider in the manner. There's also the producer, uh, the production company, or sorry, the distribution company, I should say, um, that also has a voice, you know, in how they sell the film over or what they can do once the film has been sold to, let's say, Netflix or something like that. Then there's the artists themselves who may want to change something about what they've made post them putting them out put it publishing it out to the world so there's this increased changeability right uh when you have streaming around which i think is super interesting and so i, I would categorize them in two different ways there's the sort of artist uh from the art uh arises the revision so uh, a famous example is kanye with the life of pablo um the life of pablo i actually have not listened to more than a few songs from the life of pablo but he apparently changed the mixes in a lot of the songs, like the way the audio is mixed. Um, he added like a few bars here and there or subtracted a few bars here and there. I'm not 100 percent sure. And there might even be a whole featured artist that is new uh, or I don't know, new or I don't know, whatever this living work, I guess. Um, and he just changes it on the streaming platform because he That's just wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it's like I was going to say it's kind of like it's kind of programmatic, right? It's like uh it's like fixing the bugs in Kanye's mind at least what what he thinks are bugs with uh with his uh album, which I think that was the first piece of art to come out that really uh created this discussion about like revisions versus additions versus like, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'd be curious whether so I, I'm not I'm not familiar with that. I'd be curious whether that's like something that's more of a you know acceptable thing and uh, kind of 
more of an art that takes like you know samples and different things like hip hop than it is in you know other kinds of music. I don't think uh, it's very. I don't think it's very normal. I've never. No, heard yeah, it, it's but. it's it's not even normal in hip hop. It's just kind of a Kanyeism. <laughs> well, I'm not saying okay, so I'm not saying normal, but I'm wondering if like hip hop would be more amenable to so, that sort of thing than other kinds of music. Yeah, as a as a as someone who like uh, somewhat inhabits the hip hop sphere uh, more lately, so I'm not I'm not a seasoned hip hop person, but. Uh, I it, I think people I think I think everyone in hip hop was turning heads as well um, probably equally um, it it's kind of a Kanyeism I think more than anything okay. yeah the eccentricities okay. of Kanye um, but there are non hip there there since that life Pablo I think Taylor Swift did a very minor change to one of her albums I think it was a mix thing um, and I, I think it was like either a mix or mastering thing with one song on an album um, you know and made it a little bit cleaner or whatever the intention was. And so this has kind of happened here or there since the life of Pablo. Actually, I, I just finished uh, Kanye's new new album uh, called Donda. Uh, very interesting listen. Um, How did you listen to it? Where, what what platform? I've been trying. <laughs> oh, it's, it's on YouTube. What? Yeah. But on Spotify Premium. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. What, yeah. I, don't know what, I don't know the I business behind that. that. Usually, Spotify is the place you go like not free music. I was like, oh, it's probably not on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it is on YouTube. I don't know what the deals are there. I was gonna say we're gonna have to do a whole, whole episode one day about like streaming music, streaming royalties, and like what platform you should listen to. Mm, yeah. Well. You know, the, this this whole discussion kind of revolves around like, okay, what is what is streaming doing? People don't really understand the business behind a lot of these new platforms and how they live. They live off of cheap debt. I don't think people really fully appreciate how little the platform makes. Like people are so like, oh, it's miraculous. I only pay $10 a month and I get all these, all this music. How is that possible? It's by the trusty, you know, awesomeness of, uh, I don't know, innovation or something like that. It's actually not really that. Like it's it's the ability for these companies to survive off of cheap debt. Um, oftentimes, you know, they're using techniques like regulatory capture, lawfare, um, things like that. They're they're surviving from means other than competition, which is uh, to me um, the definition of a monopoly. That that is uh, a topic for another day. In fact, I almost certainly will do a topic about uh, new platforms and cheap money and the, the reason why we have the situation we have today. So there's that artist uh, sort of generated change. And there's the question becomes, is it the same version? Because you can't find the old version anymore. Is this now the album or is this a new edition? But there's no edition. Like you can't literally like you literally cannot go unless someone obviously has recorded it and saved it for themselves. But other than that, you cannot legally distribute, right? The older versions of the, of the album. Is there a physical release of the original thing though? I assume so for the life of Pablo. And that's kind of what I'm going to get into. That's actually my topic pretty much is uh, the, the physical media aspect of things. So there's, there's the artist driven uh, perspective. There's the, 
Oh, and that also uh, affects criticism. So which version of uh, The Life of Pablo are you supposed to uh, criticize? And uh, I was going to say with Donda, his new album, he's already kind of acting as if he's going to do the same thing with Donda as he did with The Life of Pablo, uh, which kind of understandably so after listening to it sounded very unfinished. Uh, he's kind of forced to put the album out is what I understood from Universal. It sounds like he's going to do this, a similar thing with Donda. And the question is, like, how are you supposed to critique the music from like a you know music criticism perspective? Are you supposed to treat it as a like as a unfinished work? but it was published for your consumption. You're asked to buy this essentially, or the streaming equivalent, you know, these streaming platforms are expecting to draw in customers because of, because of this particular release or something like that. How are you supposed to critique it if it's not finished or is it ever finished, right? Like, is it ever going to be finished? The second thing is if it's platform censorship. So like if the platform itself is like in this case, Comedy Central, is saying, we don't want to air this part or we're going to edit this part because our contract allows us to literally bleep out a section or something like that. And, you know, and oftentimes this happens without even much transparency. So, like, this is not the first time this has happened. Um, but the platform will realize maybe they get some heat from something, they want to get ahead of it, and they'll just cut a, a snippet out of, a, out of an episode of a show. Right. Um, this has happened to shows that really didn't gain much traction, so it hasn't gotten as much attention. Uh, but it has happened before. Um, sure it's happened to SpongeBob. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That was going to yeah, be an example of like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's a weird because a children's show that has a couple of adult jokes, you know, so yeah, it's probably like, well, I'm like, went too far or something. <laughs> mm, interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, so that's the. That's how things can be changed, and those are the questions that sort of arise from it. Now, here's where I'll come in and say, there is a growing culture of people, I think, who who see the world as this increasing battle of these titans to get your monthly dollars, not the battle of the titans to compete for giving you the best product that just happens to be a subscription, right? It's not, it's not so much about delivering the best experience or having the best library. It's more so cornering the customer such that they basically have to be here in order to experience anything of value and getting the, that monthly revenue that's basically guaranteed, right? Um, so the Disney Pluses, right? The, the Spotify's, I think those two have become the emerging titan, like the, the emerging winners. We'll see if Netflix can hit back, but I, at this point, I have no no faith in them <laughs> to be able to compete with Disney plus. Um, I have to say, um, partially inspired by, by some of the stuff that you've been saying, I've been buying some bunch of DVDs, particularly of, of Disney things. <laughs> there we go. Especially you, especially use things like, you know, uh, like use, use book and, and DVD sales. I just picked up like, you know, a bunch of Disney and like Hitchcock, mm. basically no money. So, Oh, uh, side note, uh, nothing to do with this, but let me know what you think about Hitchcock's use of music because I have opinions and uh, not all of them are positive. Okay, so yeah, so how do we respond to this, right? Like you want to watch The Office and you realize one day that not only has Comedy Central not allowed you to watch it on TV with your cable subscription, but you're not allowed to watch 
uh, this episode of The Office on Amazon, let's say, which you are. You're still able to watch this episode on, on Amazon. But let's say Amazon says, this is just antithetical to our some some Amazon BS, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, they don't want to let you watch this episode. Well, how do we avoid this reality where Amazon may be the only place in the future to buy, to watch uh, this episode of The Office? Uh, because I, Amazon wouldn't be the only place. <laughs> right, but the thing is, that's well, the way things are moving. Like, everything's consolidating, so it's kind of scary. Like, you know, uh, it may. Uh, who owns The Office? Is it ABC, NBC? I don't know. Whoever owns The Office, uh, let's say Universal uh, owns The Office, and they say, you know what, Comedy Central, you don't make us enough money. So, you know, we're going to go with Amazon. That is a, you know, very possible feature in maybe two years. <laughs> right. So as this consolidate and as people have to pick and choose platforms, how do you protect yourself? You buy physical media. That is the answer. That is my plug for today is going to be all about physical media. And that is something I am realizing the potency of more lately than ever. I have a very tiny Blu-ray collection compared to what real movie people have. Um, I've yet to have a wall of Blu-rays. But... I think there's a lot of benefits that people really don't understand about Blu-rays. People think, oh, well, people say the quality is a little bit better and people just like the nostalgia of putting in a disc. People like the feeling of owning something. No, you're not getting it yet. You're not fully understanding. First of all, with physical media like Blu-rays, you have an immutable copy of something. Immutable. There's nothing anyone do, can, short of taking the thing from you and chucking it in the garbage or scratching it, right? There's, there's nothing anyone can do to your copy of this artwork to censor it, to adjust it, even if it's from the artist saying, oh, there's something wrong with the, uh, I don't know, the, I don't know, there's this weird thing that's bugged me about uh, Star Wars episode, you know, four since like, you know, the, the, the dawn and, and I want to upgrade this, uh, this uh, special effect, you know, or something like that. They have to make a new edition of that physical media. So it forces it to be an addition, not a revision, right? You still own that older version. So let's say you like that older version anyway, despite what the artist thinks, uh, you still have it. Or uh, probably even more important is you've now got something that's actually rare, right? Like you've got something that, that, that not everyone can get their hands out of anymore because it's going to go out of print. You know, they're not, they're, the contract will, will end and they can only print the new version of the film now. And you've got something that's a, somewhat of a collectible. And you get to watch Han shoot first. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that used the Star Wars example. Actually, that's that's pretty perfect. Uh, Star Wars has editions, yeah. Although, do, do you know if they print the, uh, the older editions still? Or I actually don't know. I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think officially they do. There's like the de-specialized edition, but I think that's not like a, a Disney thing anymore. It may hmm. have been when Lucas still owned Lucasfilm, even after he had edited it himself. Then Disney's also made their own changes. So Wait, Disney's made changes to the original Star Wars? I'm pretty sure they've done some small things with hmm. the original trilogy. But oh, I, I, I could that. be wrong. I mean, the, I, they, oh yeah, they, they did. That was um, with the Han scene. They, um, I haven't seen it since they changed it, 
But I know one of the things they did is they, they have is kind of infamous joke, well, not infamous, but kind of widely laughed. This is only a few months ago when they, um, maybe a year ago, uh, they, when when Han shoots Greedo, uh, Greedo, he now says McClunky. It's kind of every, oh, it was a good joke. But he, uh-huh. he says something when he gets shot, which he didn't originally. Oh, uh, okay. I see. Interesting. <laughs> huh. Didn't even know that. That's interesting. Well, that kind of goes into this uh, whole thing. Well, if you don't, if you didn't own right the version prior, uh, then you will never own it. Likely, you know, uh, short of buying it from someone who already owned the physical media. So the fact that they have a mutable copy, I think, is underrated in that aspect alone. Is that you secure your access to that thing? Yes. So that's point number one. Point number two is that despite physical media being more expensive, it actually makes more financial sense in a lot of cases. If you buy, pay for a 10 buck a month uh, thing and you watch, let's say, well, that's kind of going to get into my consumption habits point later, but let's say you watch you know, three movies a month, right? You could probably buy those same three movies for, let's say, $40 or something like that, or $50 at this point. Um, it's actually pretty cheap to buy Blu-rays, and especially if you're buying it secondhand, even in good condition, you can get things extremely cheap. So let's say you are able to, cons- to, to do it for $50. You've actually retained value when you've bought. This is the thing people don't appreciate with ownership. When you own something, you've retained the value of the thing in your possession. When you pay for streaming, you are not retaining any value. The moment you cancel your membership, you have nothing, right? You have nothing to show for all the money you've paid into it. Nothing gets returned back to you. It's like renting versus owning a house. When you rent a house, it may even be cheaper than owning a house in very, uh, that's almost never true, but you know, in my case, it actually is true, right? I'm renting this apartment and it's cheaper than if I were to buy a property in New York City, right? (laughs) And uh, this property, despite being cheaper, I am burning my money. I'm literally taking my money and throwing it into a furnace because the moment my lease ends is the moment I have no value left uh, for myself from this apartment, only the utility while I was using it. If I buy a house, I'm paying into something. So it may look like a bill, just like the renter's bill, but I'm actually gaining equity in the home, right? Like I'm gaining more and more ownership in the house. How does this ownership manifest? Well, when I don't want the house anymore, I get to sell it, right? So like I still, I retain rights over the property. I own the property and I can sell it for the value that it has. Same thing happens with physical media. When you buy a Blu-ray, you retain the value of that Blu-ray, which means you have a lot of more options available to you. Even though you spent $50 that month, $60 that month, you have a lot more value uh, options to to with the stuff that you own so you can if you didn't like the film guess what you can resell it and you could probably resell it if let's say you bought it brand new you could probably resell it at 80 90 percent of the value that you bought it if it's perfect condition right if you if you took care of it right just like you might take care of your house right so you can uh do that in this particular market right now there's a problem where we're starting to see blu-rays go out of print in ways that we haven't seen before. So you can start to look at these things as investments, especially if this changing of of the art 
itself is going to become more and more common, right? You can view you having that Blu-ray as more and more value retention uh, than if they're continuing to print them. Obviously, then supply and demand takes over, and you you do lose value over time if there are more copies made, right? It's those two points alone, I think, make up 80% of the reason why I would tell someone to buy, buy well, maybe not 80%, maybe like 70, 70% of the reason why I would tell someone to buy a Blu-ray is because you held the value of that product and because it's immutable. And those things are just not to be taken unseriously at all. In fact, the Hitchcock collection I have right now, it was remastered in a very particular way. I may find out that the way that it was remastered did a disservice to the overall experience of that Hitchcock, uh, you know, the Hitchcock experience. It had to be remastered because it's not on its native format, right? It was uh, made in a very particular way, and so it has to be essentially ported to the modern uh, uh, sound systems, right? But I, they may come out with a new version later that they remaster again, put this one out of print because they think that the new way of remastering it is superior or higher fidelity or whatever, or whatever it may be. So that creates an interesting economy of these discs, right? There's not just, who cares about the disc itself? It's the economy of the works properties, right? That actually get traded around. Then there's the more content-driven reasons, I think. So there's the quality is actually just better on Blu-ray. Like, and it's actually like, I think the average person would actually appreciate it, especially if you put them side by side, just the frames from each side by side. You know, I've gotten used to streaming, uh, you know, I have a projector system, so like I'll, I'll and uh, my Blu-ray player, uh, which they're kind of dumb expensive in my opinion. Someone's got to change that. But blue, my my Blu-ray player has the ability to stream Netflix. So I've stre- I've streamed Breaking Bad uh, on my projector, and then I'll realize immediately the fidelity increase when I pop in a movie onto the same projector, and I'm like, huh. I didn't even I didn't even realize how much quality loss I was getting on that streaming platform. And that version of Netflix on my Blu-ray player is actually higher fidelity. People don't know that different streaming platforms will stream higher or lower quality depending on the device that you're you're on, um, which is actually a good thing. That's that's a nice thing. So there's the quality aspect of things. Uh, sound quality actually goes up quite a bit too uh, if you have a proper sound system. The other thing is that's internet agnostic. You don't need access to the internet in order to pop in a Blu-ray and enjoy it. Uh, you know, you you don't have, you, let's say you're out somewhere with you where you have really bad internet streaming quality, right? Let's say you have low internet speed wherever you are. In fact, you can plug that thing in, you know, on the go. If you have a car Blu-ray player, you can power it off your car. And if you're particularly handy and you know how to uh, work power things, you can have a battery and you can watch movies off of your battery. That is definitely very possible. So your options for consumption go up. Uh, The last thing on the content end is that a lot of these Blu-rays contain rare things that are not the movie that people don't know. My Hitchcock thing contains very old interviews and sketches and like other very interesting things. If you're a fan of cinema at all, you will watch like some of the feature featurettes on uh, on these Blu-rays, and you will not find these things anywhere else. And so you're actually holding some history that might actually be hard to find later when you when you buy that Blu-ray. I could not YouTube what I saw on on that Hitchcock disc, which is kind of insane. Um, 
but I own something of more value that has more value now because I can see things other people can't see. And the last note I'll make that has nothing to do with consumer stuff or has to do with consumerism more than it does have to do with the content. I think this thing happens when you own things that really changes the way that you view your consumption. And there's this big problem of consumption that is for another episode. But there's this big problem of consumption where people don't view the things they consume with any, they don't consciously care that they're watching something that deserves, uh, I don't want to sound pretentious, but like, I'm not talking about reverence in like a super like, you know, I'm not, definitely not, definitely not religious reverence or anything like that. But I'm, I'm speaking in terms of like respecting what you're doing when you watch something, right? And that doesn't have to be the most intentional thing, but I think we have basically none of it these days, right? Like you don't, you don't uh, watch that next episode on Netflix thinking about the fact that this is, this might be someone's very personal work, right? Or a lot of people put a lot of their, you know, personal selves into this thing. This thing is doing something that's higher than just giving you a treat, which is hopefully enriching yourself. When you own that Blu-ray, that sort of consumerist mentality changes in a very different way in the sense that when I buy a Blu-ray, I'm very, doing something a lot more intentional than when I watch the next episode of something or I click on something on, on Netflix. I have to spend money on that thing, which means it becomes a lot more of a personal cho choice, you know, it becomes a lot more personal to me. And whether I keep it in my collection is something I have to think about. Do I want to sell it and buy a new Blu-ray or do I want to keep it in my collection? That becomes about how much do I like it, you know? And then my collection becomes a lot more personal. It also invites me to rewatch things, which is good, you know? Like, I think we're so obsessed with how many things can I watch, which is what a lot of these streaming platforms are focused on, particularly like the Netflixes, let's say. They just like, oh, we have this X amount of titles. Okay, well, you can't watch that. Even if you spent every hour of your life, you know, watching it, you probably could never watch it, you know, all in full. Why? They just got rid of Chinatown at the end of August. Like, come on. You know, well, can you keep at least like a one classic masterpiece on there? No. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix says they want all Netflix generated content, then it will all, all be Netflix generated content. And you can rent the Blu-ray and gain no value out of it for doing so if you want. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a DVD I need to buy. Yeah. You start to appreciate your collection and you're like, you look at your collection before you go ahead and buy something else, right? You say, do I want to watch anything here or do I want to buy something in all that, all those little pauses, I think, make you a little bit more human, actually, and how you approach picking something to watch or watching something. It becomes a lot more special, and yeah. So I don't think it's a game for rich people. I don't think it's a bad idea to spend more money on something that you like. And I think at the end of the day, you will not regret it because at the end of the day, you can always sell it. You can always pass it on to a friend. There's a lot more value embedded in owning the blu-ray than just it's on a disc which i think the the conversation gets oddly reduced to is oh these people have nostalgia for putting a disc in i actually could not care less how i put the movie into my uh my projector i have no nostalgia over discs you know <laughs> i'm not i'm not attached to discs in fact i would love it i'm not going to say this because it's a business idea of mine but i have a business idea that has to do with 
physical media in and modernizing phys- physical media. I have no attachment to putting a disc into a machine. I don't really care about that. What I really care about is owning a copy of something actually, right? Instead of uh, having no ownership at all. And we're moving toward to that direction in the entire economy and people are not looking back. And I think that's a big mistake. Um, so this is not just a movies thing. This is a music thing. This is uh, this is not even just an art thing. This is a um, home thing. This is a uh, this is an everything thing, you know. And I think people need to tread very lightly as we progress towards this sort of endless paychecks going to large companies that are beholden to nothing. Um, and uh, you know, you don't want to end up regretting the fact that. At the end of the day, you might decide, I don't want to support this anymore, but have nothing to show for all the money that you put into it. Yes. So that that is my spiel. I think it's interesting with music that um, there, are, there are two directions that, that sales are going, obviously streaming, and then also definitely it's like away from CDs and into um, records, mm-hmm. which, is, which is kind of interesting. Like uh, I, I'm seeing now... Um, you know, with film composers mostly, but probably is true also of of you know national popular artists, where things are going to like things are being released only on streaming and on records and not on CDs. Yeah, and I, uh, I yeah, I definitely noticed that too. Especially uh, you know in the indie rock space, uh, records are super popular and I think very um, profitable uh, for uh, bands. Part of that is a revival of. There's a certain sects of uh, culture that are holding on to ownership very tightly of things and sort of re- rediscovering ownership as like something that's like kind of a lifestyle difference. You know, it's hard to think of it that way because we've slowly transitioned here, but like it's hard to really remember how different things are, especially for people our age. Oh, also hint, hint to everyone out there. Owning stuff in general is good for, not, I mean, it's good financially speaking, period. But it's especially good in an inflationary economy. So uh, that's a shout out to watch my episode where I was right. I like being right. And I was right. So go, go back to the episode uh, and see how right I was. It comes down to even kitchen goods, right? If I buy a, a, a I'm, and I'm talking about quality stuff, right? You, you know, if you buy like cheap stuff that breaks, that's not going to be helpful. But like if you buy uh, a quality knife, right? So I, 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 spent a long time researching the chef's knife that we have in our house right now. But the reason why is because I never want to buy one, at least for the next however many decades. I don't want to buy another one. I want this to be my knife. And if anything, I'll add to the collection. Um, And the value of that knife retains because I bought a good one, right? So if I I ever find myself in in a bind where, you know, it's either eating or that knife, I can sell that knife, right? And so, and that's also inflationary, inflationarily protected, right? The value of the knife will go up as inflation increases. So there's a whole lot of reasons why uh, people need to pause before they just spend infinite dollars on subscription programs. I'm not completely divorced yet from subscription programs, but I can't wait to say one day on this, on this uh, podcast that I've finally managed to completely divorce myself from uh, subscription stuff. So there it is. I was thinking about how this applies to uh, video games and stuff like that. It's weird because you don't get those kind of benefits with the physical stuff. In fact, it really sucks because it loads way slower than uh, 
and having it just on your drive. Um, but I was thinking, I was realizing, well, disks are very outdated and uh, slow, relatively speaking. But like USBs are getting insanely fast nowadays. You know, maybe instead of a uh, traditional flash drive sized thing, it might be a more almost 2.5 inch you know, SSD like style size thing that you can plug into your computer uh, and not like preferably. You're, you're, like you're, you're, you're starting to get into the territory of my thoughts on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, you're kind of getting on the idea uh, that I have, you know, there's, there's, I think there's a way to integrate um, a whole bunch of different fields, like the increasing speed of like mass storage devices. Um, Cause Blu-rays are, Blu-rays are a standard as well as a as well as a physical object. So like there's like a standard that goes along with it. But I think it would be nice to free ourselves even of that standard. Uh, I mean, there is higher than Blu-ray. There's like the 4K discs and whatever. But those are kind of gimmicky in a lot of different ways. Um, they are good. They're just uh, it's hard to justify the cost um, and having to buy a device that can do that it's just a whole whole uh, shift that doesn't need to happen whereas i think there's a compatibility thing with computers right like like that's not being taken advantage of by uh, art physical media you know instead of having to buy a blu-ray can you just plug it into a usb port right is uh the other question um and then there's like a whole security question there's like crypto that can really enhance the space in ways i think people don't anticipate um, and make your copies even that much more useful. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us for this uh, pretty long episode of uh, Mixed Media. We might have to tweak the format. I'm not sure. We'll, 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 uh, we'll think about it. But you tell us. I know a lot of you are going to be listening to this, especially your audio-only people, people on Rumble. I know you guys are going to be listening to this in chunks, so you want to appreciate how long the whole thing was. Uh, but let us know, even in those chunks, how you like the length, how do you like this format and varying the content through the week? So you have sort of different things to listen to next time. We might try it in the full form, although that might make it longer. So we might have to rethink that. Um, <laughs> uh, I was actually trying to shorten the show a little bit, but uh, uh, that, that didn't really happen. Um, but yeah, just let us know how you like us mixing in the hot takes. We'll be mixing in an interview or a review of some sort uh, next time uh, and rotating through the way that we uh go through those different things. So if you like that, let us know. Hit the like button if you appreciated any part of uh, the episode that you're watching. We appreciate that. That really helps other people get a chance to discover the podcast. And honestly, I'm hearing from little different sources that people who have stuck to the podcast really enjoy it. And I I really, I mean, the fact that we have regular listeners at all is uh, just, I don't know, it's heartwarming. Um, And- uh, I don't see them, man, to interact. Guys, stop being quiet. Like, oh my gosh, you guys are so quiet. Like, I, I, it's like I have to hear these things through the grapevine or intuit these things, like, uh, like you know, through the analytics that I have, return viewers at all. But I would love if you speak to us because we love speaking to you. So, uh, that being said, join our Discord. If you're on Rumble, I really want to get on Rumble Live. Like, the more I look at Rumble uh, live streaming platform, the more I'm like, I think it's ready. So, like, if you want to see our live show on Rumble, we think that would could really explode the viewership on that platform. In fact, if you search podcasts on Rumble, we fill like maybe, I don't know, 60% of the search results, which is awesome. 
and also insane. Um, well, that's only because you guys watch it and you upvote it and you help us to get through stages of rumble battles and all that kind of stuff. So thank you so much for doing that. But uh, the next step would be to get live streaming on Rumble, which is not free yet, and it probably won't be free maybe for another year. Who knows? Um, but I would like to break into there and be one of the first and only live stream podcasts on Rumble. And the only way we can do that is if we have some financial support so that we can get that starter package that includes live streaming on Rumble. So the way you can help us do that is to go to mixedmedia.locals.com, uh, locals, uh, L-O-C-O-A-L-S.com. <laughs> Uh, go to mixedmedia.locals.com or there's a link on the screen over there that has all of our support links all of our social media platforms and on there is a link to locals as well as well as the description uh, and there for five if we get one supporter on locals just a singular supporter on locals I, lo- I will absorb the rest of the cost of the monthly uh, monthly uh, payments on Rumble because I think it's that worth it but I just need to know that we have someone on our back. So that, that is the first hard pitch that I've done on this show. So uh, I hope people don't feel skeeved. Uh, but yes, it's for a particular goal. It's not for it's not for our wallets. Yeah, with that, I guess uh, that's pretty much it. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Okay, well, I'll see you next week on Mixed Media. And uh, join our Discord. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Bye.